eBay sellers, it's Suzanne A. Wells, and welcome back to my podcast, eBay the Right Way. I'm playing around with different formats, figuring out how exactly I want to do this podcast, and it may not be the same every time. But in this episode, I'm going to give you some recaps of different parts of my business because I'm a real seller, just like you. And I have the same struggles you do. I do have a pretty vast social media platform on Facebook. I have a group with 35,000 sellers. I have 57,000 subscribers on YouTube. And then I have an online school with quite a few sellers who come there for my really in-depth tutorials. So I see a lot of great information on all these different platforms and from my own customers on eBay that I interact with. So I thought I would pull it all together here on my podcast platform to give you a summary of interesting discussions or situations that happened during the last week that might help you with your eBay business. So this episode is like a smorgasbord of stuff, including how the last week went with my eBay business, a few unusual interactions with buyers and how I responded. That might help you if you ever encounter these situations. Something new I learned, because that's really important as an entrepreneur in any business, is constantly learning new things. And I learn a lot of things from you guys posting on Facebook or in the YouTube comments. And then I have a specific item you probably have in your pantry right now that sells on eBay for pretty good money, considering it's only paper or plastic. So I'm going to start with comments from YouTube this week. Had some interesting things there. I posted my sales update video for March, and I mentioned selling leather planners, the old school Franklin Covey or Day Runner leather planners. These have been selling really well for me over the past couple of years. I don't sell a ton of them, but Every few months, I'll sell a few, and so it is one of those items I look for at the thrift store. So I showed one from Mori Luggage that cost me $0.63 at Goodwill, and it sold for $30, and those are the profit margins I love. Plus, the leather planners are easy to ship. They're not going to break. It's not going to expire, so all around easy item, doesn't take up much room to store it. So Mary Lee commented, and I thought this was really useful information. She said, in the 80s and 90s, I was a construction project manager in the high-rise office buildings of Baltimore. I loved that job, by the way. I lived and died by my leather planner, juggling jobs at five different sites most of the time. I couldn't have done it without that planner. I'd still use one, but they are heavy, and at nearly 70 years old, they make me list to one side now. 
So that's really good information. And I noticed on the leather planners I sell, sometimes they'll go to a construction company, a landscaping company, somebody who needs to walk around with actual papers. Not everything can be electronic these days. A lot of things are, but there are some professions where they do need to carry around papers and other items that they want to keep in that zippered leather planner. So if that's something you're not looking at when you go thrifting, you might want to put that on your list. Okay, another topic for discussion in the comments on YouTube was my daughter's baby blanket that sold to a buyer in South America. I was thrilled to rehome this beautiful blanket. It was handmade with her name on it. Um, to rehome it to someone with a baby Melanie on another continent. That was just a really fun sale. And the backstory is that when I moved in December, I was downsizing things again and went over some of these items with my kids. Like, do you want this? Should I keep this? And Melanie said, you know, I'm just never going to use that. We have a lot of pictures of her with it as a baby. And um, she's like, let's try to sell it. It's a beautiful item. Someone should be able to use it now instead of just having it sit in a box for however many more decades. So anyway, there was a bunch of discussion about how South America is not a continent. And at first I was like, oh, hmm, did I miss something? Is this like when Planet Nine was added, um, except the reverse, like the continents are being combined? I mean, some countries that I learned about in school many moons ago no longer exist, like Yugoslavia and Czechoslovakia have different names now. So maybe I did miss something in the world of geography. But it turns out this is an old controversy. Some people say there are seven continents. Some say there are five. If you Google how many continents are there or is South America a continent? You'll see all the discussion and debates about it. So however you want to look at it, that's fine. But I'm going old school here and calling South America a continent because Britannica.com says South America is the fourth largest continent. And I think Britannica is a trusted authority. I mean, it's not like Somebody posted this information on Reddit or The Onion. <laughs> so we're going to go with seven continents for now and just leave that one alone. Moving on to what happened in my eBay store last week. I had a couple of returns that, let's just say, were not my fault. One of the items was a pair of Vionic flip-flop sandals really pretty with rhinestones and sequins. And in the notes, the condition note at the top, I listed them as new with defects. Black smudge on side of right shoe. See photos. So they weren't perfect, but they were new. So the buyer opened an INAD, item not as described, because there was a smudge which was mentioned in the condition notes at the top the description box, 
and there were photos of the defect with a big red circle around it. And I don't know what else I could have done on that one. (laughs) My guess is, of course, that the buyer didn't read the listing or look at all the photos, which is the only explanation, or she knew if she returned the item for a reason not as described, she would get free return shipping. So I have no way of knowing, but that's going to happen. Some of these buyers have figured that out, and there's nothing you can do, even if it's clear as day that there's a defect on the item or an issue with the item. If they open it for INAD, they get return shipping for free. But I do want to note that INAD is not a defect. For a few years it was, but eBay changed that a couple of years ago. And let me just read you the official word on eBay.com about defects. What is a defect? A defect is part of a transaction that eBay considers to have created a bad shopping experience for buyers. A transaction can get a defect in only two ways. The first, when a seller cancels a transaction for out of stock. So if you don't have it, you can't find it, you find it and it's damaged and you cancel for seller cancellation, that is a defect. The second reason is if a seller is unable to resolve a problem through the resolution center, and eBay or PayPal, well, PayPal is not relevant anymore, steps in and the seller is found responsible. So don't cancel transactions for out of stock and resolve all your cases and you'll be fine. Just a side note, a seller's transaction defect rate is the percentage of their total transactions that had either defect. Note that these defects often measure how satisfied your buyers were with a transaction. We don't count more than one defect per transaction. So you don't have to worry about if a buyer wants to return something because they say it's not as described. But the bottom line is the buyer gets free return shipping if they open a return with the reason item not as described So while sellers are not punished when buyers open a return for INAD, we are stuck with the return shipping cost that comes out of your accrued managed payments funds. The next return was an Apple mag cord, and it was returned for the second time because the buyer did not read the listing. This item is not a charger, but it's like an HDMI cord. And people keep thinking it's a charger. They're not reading the listing. So I have taken this on as a personal challenge to see if anyone will actually read the listing before they buy it. I call this a boomerang sale because it just keeps coming back in the mail. So it's come back twice. Let's see if third time's a charm. Um, I'm persistent. This cord came with my MacBook Air. It is new in the box and I will never use it. So I might as well just keep trying to rehome it. 
Okay, the next thing was a note put on a sold item from the buyer. And this just didn't make any sense to me, but we'll just see if she's happy with it. (laughs) Buyer's note. Uh, Oh, and the item was a pair of monkey monkey flannel pajamas. Uh, They're purple with little pink sock monkeys on them. Practically new. They, They look great. No problems. So the buyer said, you say the condition is good pre-owned condition. Does it look worn, faded, or damaged in any way? I love the jammies, but my ripped and faded ones are terrible, so I'm looking for a replacement. Can you provide a recent picture if worn or faded? I prefer not to buy. So... I'm not really sure what she meant by recent picture. How can the photos be any more current than they are? This isn't like something that's going to change over time. So it just is what it is. And maybe she thought I had them up for sale and I was wearing them until they sold or something. But never got that kind of question before to provide a more recent photo on something that is never going to look any different. (laughs) So I just replied with, yes, these are exactly as shown in the photos. Enjoy. And I haven't heard back from her. So hopefully that one will stick. Now, this is the gold star interaction with a buyer this week. And this is why we do eBay. I loved this message. I sold a vintage Yankee candle chocolate chip cookie scent And it was a retired scent that was, you know, definitely vintage because it had the date on the bottom. So it sold for $29. People collect Yankee candles, even if they've been burned. People collect all kinds of things, even if they're used. So I got this message that said, hi, I just wanted to let you know the story about why I bought this. And I wanted to ask one thing. I got this for my mom for Mother's Day. Because this same candle scent and jar type is the last gift my grandmother ever gave her just before she passed in 2009. I wanted to get her a second one so she doesn't always have to burn the other one her mom gave her and can still enjoy the scent of this. With that being said, is there any chance to wrap it for shipping in a way that she won't be able to tell what it is? I'm typically not home when the mail comes, and I'd like to make sure it stays a surprise for her if possible. Thank you so much for this item, and I'm super excited for it. I'm sure she's going to love it. Now, isn't that the sweetest thing? The son is buying his mother something for Mother's Day that really will only mean anything to her. And I think what he meant with wrap it for shipping so she won't be able to tell what it is refers to like he didn't want me to put it in a Yankee candle box or, you know, just make sure it's like under the radar and disguised so she wouldn't know what it was. But I just thought this was the sweetest thing for a son to do for his mom. You know, here we are in April, mid-April, and he is thinking ahead for Mother's Day. And he's put a lot of thought into this. And he went on eBay and found the exact thing that he wanted to give his mom. And 
I just love these stories. This is why we do eBay. Okay, something new I learned this week. Selling expired printer ink. And I was really on the fence about doing this because, you know, I don't want a return. I don't want an upset customer. But what I learned is that these businesses that refill cartridges and resell them, they will buy expired ink just for the cartridge and, you know, refill it and then resell it. And some of these older cartridges that they don't make anymore go for quite a bit of money, even though it's just this little plastic thing. It's just they're not made anymore. And the only way you can get them in working order is if somebody has refilled it. So you just want to make sure you put on your listing that it is expired. You can show a picture of the expiration date. And in your description and at the condition note at the top, you can say expired, but can be used for refilling, recycling. So I was not aware of that. I know that empty cartridges sell for this purpose, but I didn't realize that people are actually buying them on purpose as expired and refilling them. So something to think about if you've got a bunch of expired printer ink sitting around, you might want to look into that. Okay, what was added to the premium library this week? This is my online school that I started back in 2018. Now has 386 videos with 109 hours of education. This is where my heavy-duty tutorials and courses go. So last week, I started a new course about reselling kitchen knives. And I've been learning about this niche for about a year. And while I am not a knife expert, I am a good researcher. So I can share what I learned with you. And when I go treasure hunting, I like to use visual cues. So I don't have to look everything up all the time. I like to know what I'm looking for. And memorizing a list of brands is not really a great way to go about treasure hunting at the thrift store, garage sale, estate sale, whatever. It's better to learn about quality because that knowledge is evergreen and it will apply to everything you see. You're not zoned out just looking for a list of brands or logos because a brand you have never heard about may pop up in front of you. And if you are educated about quality, you will immediately know that item is expensive and maybe valuable because of the visual cues. And then you can do more research. So just memorizing brands is very limiting and you can miss things because you kind of have tunnel vision. So that's part of what all of my courses are about is recognizing quality and learning about things that are evergreen, that are still going to be valuable five years from now, 10 years from now, not just these things that pop up that are hype or kind of like flash in the pan thing that's only going to be valuable for a short time until everybody figures it out. And that's the beauty of vintage items is they're just going to get more valuable. 
Also in the premium library, I have a list of my own personal bolos, which stands for be on the lookout. And these are items that I only publish in the premium library. They are not on YouTube or my blog or anywhere online. These are exclusive and for the students in the premium library only. And these are bolos that are findable, meaning I have personally found them repeatedly over my now 18 years on eBay. And these items only increase in value over time. So they're not like elusive and rare items like an antique postage stamp from France or you know, a rusty old artifact from the Civil War. (laughs) These are real things that real sellers, including myself, find regularly. So that's my definition of a bolo from my perspective. Anyway, I added another one to that list, and this item has been on my list for about eight years, and I find two or three of them a year. And they're usually priced between $5 and $8 at the thrift store, very easily recognizable in that giant, overwhelming sea of thrift store clothing. And this item sells for me between $60 and $100. It is not breakable, and it does not expire. So the perfect item for my business model. You can access all of my personal bolos in the premium library in the Things to Sell section and the link to the premium library is below this podcast, or you can just Google that. Okay, on to the meat of this podcast. Are you ready to look around your kitchen for an item you can sell? I learned about this item in 2009 from other moms selling on eBay. And I apologize if you have heard this already, but it has been a few years since I mentioned it on my social media So some of you may not even know about it, or a refresher is always good. I like to revisit these types of items every couple of years to see if they are still a viable option. So this is just another free thing you can accumulate and sell when you have a stash of them piled up. The item is Box Tops for Education. And if you haven't heard of these, they are the little logo label thing on grocery items. It's not really a sticker. It's something you have to cut off on different types of grocery products that schools can redeem for products like computers, gym equipment, school supplies, all sorts of stuff. So if you aren't familiar with it, let me read you the story from their website. Box Tops for Education started in California in 1996. General Mills wanted to create a program to help support education and benefit America's schools. Box Tops for Education was born. As part of the initial test program, Box Tops were only available on select Big G cereals such as Cheerios, Total, and Lucky Charms. The program was such a huge success that it soon launched on other General Mills products and expanded across the nation. By 1998, more than 30,000 schools were clipping box tops and earning cash to buy the things they needed, books, computers, playground equipment, and more. Over the next four years, Box Tops for Education 
program doubled to include brands such as Pillsbury, Old El Paso, Green Giant, and many, many more. Over 82,000 schools across the nation participated in box tops, earning more than $100 million in 2006. So that's a way long time ago. (laughs) They added non-food brands like Ziploc, Hefty, and Kleenex. As of 2021, the program has added an app so parents can scan their grocery receipts. But as with all technology, not everyone's going to be on board with doing it that way. So the actual box tops are still highly coveted. So if you missed out on this because maybe you homeschooled or you're in a generation where your kids are already past school age or you have little kids or no kids, (laughs) this is just basically how it works. And in my experience, going back to when my kids were involved in all this stuff, The schools encouraged you to buy the products with these box tops on them, clip off the little box top thing, and send those in. You got, the school got 10 cents for each of these labels through the program. And the school collects them, and then once the school has collected them, they can redeem them for products. So this is a very popular program throughout the schools. But you may wonder, why in the world is anybody going to buy these on eBay? And it's because of the competition within the school. So what happens is the classes in the schools have become so competitive that parents buy hundreds or even thousands of these so that their kid or their kid's class can win prizes for the most box tops. And this happened when my kids were in elementary school which was 2000 through 2008. The school was so pushy and aggressive with this program. And they would have these contests. So like, if your class got the most box tops, you win a pizza party. Or if you were the kid with the most box tops, you would win some kind of prize or gift card. And so this became a really big deal with the teachers pushing this. So my kids would come home from school and like start looking through the pantry and the refrigerator and start cutting these off products. And they would say things like, we're going to win an ice cream party, or we could win a pizza party if we get the most of these. So back when this started, eBay was around 10 years old. And some really ingenious person got the brilliant idea of selling these on eBay so that parents could just buy them instead of having to buy all the products and then clip the tops off. And we just didn't have many products in our home with those box tops because a lot of the products I just never bought. I wasn't into all the unhealthy breakfast cereals and sugary foods and snack foods and junk that most of these box tops were on at the time. So we just didn't have a lot of things in our house with those box tops on them. But parents like me (laughs) found it more time efficient to go online and buy these in batches 
and then give them to their kid to take to school rather than going through the whole process of buying the product that you really didn't want or need just to cut off the top that's only worth 10 cents and saving all them up. So the moral of this, what might seem like long and rambling story is (laughs) you would want to get into selling these if it makes sense for your home or your household. Because if you're already buying the products that these box tops are on, why not just clip them off and put them in a little baggie or a box somewhere in the kitchen so everybody in the household can drop them in and then they accumulate and then when you get a whole bunch, you can sell them. That's my suggestion if you're already buying the products that these are on instead of you know, throwing that out, you can just clip that off, start saving them and sell them. Now, box tops are not just on cereal boxes anymore. They're on all kinds of products, including non-food products that you might already buy. So this is just another case of paying attention to what you're throwing away. And understanding that there's a market for selling it. On the website, Box Tops for Education, it's also abbreviated BTFE, they show you all the products that Box Tops are on. So there's office supplies, bakeware, like the Reynolds products, the foil things that you cook casseroles and stuff in, all those types of products. And it's whoever General Mills has partnered with. They're going to start having these or already have these on their products. Cereals are the big one, but you've got food storage products like Ziploc, cleaning products, Lysol products. They make it in such a way that you don't have to cut up a plastic container. It's on a label affixed to the container so you can easily peel it off. Or it's a cardboard container so you can cut it off. Um, They used to put them on like yogurt cups and hard plastic items. And it was kind of impossible to cut that off. (laughs) But they've gotten smarter over the years making these little box top things easier to get off of the product. So there's frozen meals, side dishes, macaroni and cheese, hamburger helper, all that kind of stuff. But we just never bought any of that. So I didn't have that kind of stuff in our house to get the tops off of. But it just depends on what kind of food your household consumes. So if you're already buying these products, it totally makes sense to start clipping these off now and see how long it takes you to accumulate enough that's worth selling. So let me give you some numbers based on eBay sold listings about how much these can sell for. On eBay, you can search for box tops for education or just BTFE. And this is for U.S. only. I don't know what's going on with these in other countries. And I always use Terapeak 365 days back because that comes with my basic store subscription. I like looking a year back. And if you just look at eBay sold listings, those prices are not always accurate based on if a best offer was accepted and all those kind of factors. So there are over a thousand sold listings over the last year 
And that tells me that this works and people do it. Sellers put these in different quantity lots up to 2,500 box tops. So if you have a big family or even get other people to collect these for you, friends, neighbors, relatives, people at work, people at church, then you can accumulate a large number of these pretty quickly. But I just wanted to inform you that these do still sell. For example, a lot of 300 sells for around $50. But you might want to construct your listing around how many will fit in a particular size mailer. These are tiny and lightweight and easy to ship. And they're not going to weigh that much because it is just paper or little pieces of plastic. But doesn't this just blow your mind that this is just paper and people are making money selling stuff that's basically free? Anybody can get these since they are on the packaging of your food items. So people are just making money selling paper. Now, these do have expiration dates, so you'll want to pay attention to that. But if you're one of these sellers that has trouble finding things to sell, or maybe you're disabled and it's hard for you to get out and go thrifting, um, and you are buying the products that these box tops are on, this may be a nice little side income for you. And the attraction to the buyers is that these are already cut out and trimmed. So if there's a parent out there on a mission trying to help their child or their child's class win something, or maybe it's just the school trying to get something really expensive and they need a lot of box tops to do it, it may make more sense for the parents and teachers to buy the box tops and then go through the program to get the items than it would be to try and raise the money to buy that item. So it's kind of a convoluted way of getting what the school needs through buying these box tops. And this is just another thing you can get your friends and family to save for you. They don't need to know what you're doing with them. These little box tops are just money that maybe a lot of you are throwing in the trash. So this just blew my mind when I found out about it years ago. I thought, well, number one, people really buy these? And number two, anybody who buys these eligible products could do this and sell them. I mean, why not? Here we are over 20 years later after the program started, and it's still going strong. And there's like this black market for box tops for education. It's like the dark side of the PTA. That sounds like a Netflix series. PTA moms gone rogue, (laughs) black market box tops. But even after all these years selling on eBay, I'm still astonished that something like this sells. It's just paper or plastic and just kind of looks like garbage. But I just wanted you all to know that this is still going on and here you have All you ever wanted to know about box tops for education, but we're afraid to ask. (laughs) All right, then. This wraps up another episode of eBay the Right Way. Again, I'm really honored that you took the time to listen. You could have been distracted by any number of shiny things, but you chose to learn about eBay. And good for you. Again, this is Suzanne A. Wells teaching you how to do eBay the right way. 
You can find me on YouTube and Facebook under the same name. And be sure to follow me as new episodes drop every Tuesday. Have a profitable and productive and fun day on eBay. Talk to you next time. Bye.